Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Inside Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Dan, you said something this morning when we were planning to record, which is your attention, your property. Mm -hmm. And this is really timely with some of the debates that are going on in the news. So what do you mean by your attention, your property? I'm curious. Well, as I understand brain research, I'm not educated in any particular psychological practice or anything, but I've been a coach for close to 50 years with entrepreneurs, and I've put in three quarters of a century in actual life. And I noticed that people really vary in terms of giving you their attention or not giving you their attention. I think our favorite people in life are the people that when they're talking to them, they have their attention on us. I think it's reciprocal that they're giving their attention to us because we, in fact, are giving our attention to them. So my feeling is that the greatest relationships are the relationships where the person on each side is giving the other person their full attention while they're with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has a very transformative impact on people when they get the full attention of another person. Mm -hmm. You know, my early childhood was the 1940s. So I never really saw television until I was about eight or nine years old, but I would listen to radio. I would listen to radio. I lived out in farm country and we had a weekly newspaper and I would read the weekly newspaper, you know, when I learned how to read. But up until about six, nature was kind of the thing that I was, had my attention on because we lived on a farm and I pretty well had the run of the farm as long as I stayed inside the fence line and I didn't cross the street. I was fine. So I got used to having my attention on things that other people weren't creating. Mm -hmm. And what I got into the habit of doing was creating my own story, my own entertainment, my own learning. So I think that when I hit school, which my mother said was important for me because I'd learned how to read. And I did. I did and took to it well. You know, I've been a lifetime reader. But then when the other attempts by other people to catch my attention, radio was a bit, but radio, you know, wasn't a visual experience. But when television started, it didn't have the impact on me that, you know, I subsequently heard from other children how they would become fixated on television. I had my programs that I was interested in, you know, and fast forward, you know, from the 1950s with television. Movies were always interested me because they were a special occasion and you traveled someplace and mm -hmm. went to movie. I found the movie experience really a lot more interesting oftentimes than the movie itself. Theaters I'm really fascinated with the whole concept of theaters, live theaters, movie theaters. But I'm kind of more interested in just the experience of people, you know, being theater people. And I was myself for a part of my life. But then when the Internet came along and social media came along, I really noticed the inability of a large number of people to focus their attention. It was almost mm -hmm. like they were being pulled away. Somebody was switching their channels all the time. They weren't switching their channels. Other forces, other people were actually in control of their channels and they would switch, you know, very quickly. And I just began to notice fewer and fewer people 
had the ability that when you were talking to them, just to have their attention on you for the full extent of a conversation or when you're worth it. But not only that, but their attention got more powerful. They got more and more and more interested. And I just noticed that the people that I've been with longest are the people who give me the most attention when I'm talking to them. And I give them the most attention when I'm talking to them. And people who within the first minute or so show me that they can't pay attention, I know I can't establish a relationship with that person. I can't collaborate with them. I can't create with them. Okay. So I've just noticed that this thing of attention and the interesting thing is that the human brain can only focus on one thing at a time. We're single focus thinkers and that's the strength, but it's also the way, if you don't have power over that of being able to focus your attention, it's a great liability. Mm-hmm. Dan, I think that's a really kind of impactful statement. No attention equals no relationship. You know, people that we struggle with or sometimes even our partners, like when they're not paying attention, we feel like the relationship isn't there. You've noticed that obviously with clients. So that's that's a very insightful. Well, personal too. Yeah. But it's become a big issue as social media has gotten more powerful. So my sense is that there's a big showdown in the future about what other people can do with your attention. Mm. Okay. You know, I'm very interested in how societies develop, especially the politics of society. And I know that the most important political, social, and economic issues of the next 15, 20 years, certainly in the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, you know, where we have our business is that this is going to be a big issue about what other people can do with your attention. And there's court cases, there's big court cases, like Supreme Court cases, there's legislative, you know, there's going to be laws enacted. So I have a concept which says that here's a fundamental truth, your attention, your property. So that if someone uses my attention, and they make money using my attention, they've got to give me some of the money. Nice. Now, here's the thing. My feeling is that basic property law applies here, okay? But the trick here, Shannon, and I just want you to tell me what you think about that, it isn't your property if you don't think it's your property. I would 100% agree that that's true. If I don't see it as valuable, if I don't see it as something that is intentionally given, I'm not going to protect it and I'm going to give it away freely and I'm not placing value on it. So I would never dream of charging for it. Yeah. So my sense is that this is already happening. In other words, you've worked with me for 30 years in July, I think. Very good. July. 30 years in July. And you've probably noticed some ways that if you want to get Dan's attention, you have to do certain things to get Dan's attention or he won't give you his attention. Can you tell me what you've noticed, you know, two or three things that you've noticed? Well, what's coming to mind is the impact filter and the impact filter and the impact filter. <laughs> Let me just describe this process. So you have, it's not quite a rule, but if you want Dan's attention, well, you also don't do meetings. So if you want to have a conversation about something that's important to you, put it in the form of an impact filter, which is available in our knowledge products and it's different downloads. The Extraordinary Impact Filter is the book. And it needs to come to you in that idea, which is the purpose, the importance, the ideal outcome, 
the best and worst result, best if you do win, worst if you don't take action or if it goes poorly, and then the success criteria. And what's kind of fascinating, Dan, about when I brought them to you is that the conversation, like I can't even call it a meeting, it's too short. You're like, I read it over and I've gotten two responses from you. Yes, or you've given me back another impact filter with another perspective. It's so easy. It is so straightforward. And I have your complete attention on that particular issue. And it's a great conversation, but it's it's so incredibly efficient. And then, of course, we have these conversations where we have each other's full attention, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of why we're so successful. I don't know what else to say other than the impact filter, really, because that's my number one way of connecting with you in terms of a new idea. And it also has to do with my scheduling of who gets to be on my schedule and who doesn't get to be in my schedule. It has to do with what I would say intermediaries I have between me and the outside world. Mm-hmm. So, for example, nobody really has my cell phone number. Okay. No. No. First of all, I'm not on social media. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. From the world's perspective, I am because I have people who post Facebook messages for me and Twitter. And I suspect others that I don't know. Instagram. About. Yep. But but this is agreed upon what the message is. So my sense is that because it is my property, my attention, I want my attention to be more and more valuable. And that is only give my attention to people who give me their attention. Mm-hmm. That makes my property more valuable because there's kind of magic. It's always creative. When you get two people who give each other's attention, they always create something new. Mm-hmm. So as we go forward, I don't think it will ever be law, you know, that the Facebooks of the world or that they'll actually have to pay people for their attention, but they will have to give people the right to either tune in or tune out. Mm-hmm. I think that's already happening, and I can see it with companies like Apple, that Apple is really sending a message that basically our business is to stay out of yours, you know, stay out of your business. And basically we're not going to do anything with your information. Okay. Unless you give us permission to do so. So it's an interesting thing that I'm noticing here and it's a new human issue and freedom of property is one of the fundamental basis for individual freedom, period. And I think freedom of attention is one of those. And to me, this is such a fascinating topic, Dan, because we are in such a multimedia world and kids now grow up with this, you know, kids with, well, sometimes fake, but often real cell phones in their hands, (laughs) you know, so, you know, digital natives, people who grew up with this actually have learned a little bit more so than some of us who came to it later, how to protect their attention. Now, do I say they have it all figured out? No, but this probably is going to be one of the key issues for human development, people's ability to focus on their goals, people's ability to have connected relationships is how much they really look at their attention as being their property Mm -hmm. and to allocate it appropriately towards their goals and their future and what's important to them and their values and their relationships. Because a lot of people I think are, you know, I read about them anyway, are just so diffused. Their attention is everywhere and the reality is kind of out there in digital world rather than actually the person who's rear end is in the seat. Yeah. So it's kind of fascinating. And, <laughs> and I think it's probably unprecedented in, in human development, human history. You know, if you go back far enough in history and that 
you know, it's been known that human attention interfaces with every single area of human activity, that the people who seem to have great attention spans on certain very, very important things turn out to be great achievers. You know, Einstein is credited with the law of relativity, the concept of relativity. It's a theory of relativity, really. And he said, well, I'm not the first person to think about relativity. He says a lot of people were thinking about relativity. He said, I'm just the first person to think about relativity and not think about anything else for 10 years. <laughs> I love that. He said, when you focus on something for 10 years, you develop all sorts of interesting theories, you know, theories about mm -hmm. relativity. And I just notice that when I look at people who are achievers and seem to have created fundamentally new things that are valuable to other people, they have great attention spans. Mm -hmm. This is really interesting, Dan, because we work with that coach, a lot of people who by the psychological profession would be considered to have ADD, including the two of us. <laughs> yeah, both of us. Yeah, both of us do. And you have a way of helping people really lock in on what they're passionate about and thinking about, you know, being fascinated, motivated. So can you just talk about that for a moment? Because this is how people can start to put some of those boundaries or really focus in on what, you know, what's important to them to pay attention to. You know, the most recent book that you and I did together, which is called Innovation Over Envy. Okay. And my feeling is that starting off in life, your attention is going to focus on one area of your life, or it's going to focus on another area of your life. And the most area is that you're kind of unique. You're kind of unique, and there's no end to it. You know, that you have kind of unique experiences, and your life is different from other people's lives, and you can discover all sorts of interesting things, and you can develop your mind. That's one area of having your attention on. Or you can be comparing yourself continually with other people, how they've got a better deal than you do. Well, you know, and this happens before you can actually consciously think. It's about seven years old that children can actually, every once in a while, get a sense that they can actually know that they're thinking about something and actually think their thoughts. Well, that's a profound skill. That's a breakthrough skill is thinking about your thinking. And my sense is that it happens more when you accept your life as unique and you're constantly learning from your experiences, transforming your experiences. And then you're noticing how by doing what you want to do, you can also be useful to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, you can kind of get into cooperation with them and you can create together. There's teamwork possible. Or you can take the other path, all your attention is, Every little difference where it seems that somebody else has been given more than you, they're more privileged, they have greater advantages and everything like that. And my sense is that how it gets started off in the first six or seven years, it goes on for life. So it's one thing when you're surrounded with 20 people. It's another thing where technologically you're surrounded by 8 billion people. <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing is that we're just learning how to take ownership for this thing that we call our attention. I think we're just at the very beginning stages, you know, as human beings that we're starting to say, you know, actually, 
what I pay attention to for as much as my life that I can, where it's intentional, that's going to be really good for me. Mm -hmm. This is really interesting, Dan. I love bringing in the innovation over envy because, you know, whether or not you're focused on your own uniqueness and your own experience, that's also how you're going to relate to social media. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people go into what we call the gap. You know, they're comparing themselves as a source of envy. Oh, everyone else's Facebook posts or Instagrams are beautiful. And, you know, there's whole influencer careers that are based on how people look versus any kind of substance. But it depends on your initial mindset, how you interpret the social media and how much attention you give to it, which is Mm -hmm. kind of interesting. So really locking into what you find, you know, you do this with entrepreneurs all the time. You help people figure out what they find fascinating and motivating. And then it's super easy to pay attention to those things. Mm -hmm. And people who in other circumstances are very distractible are not distractible at all because they're focusing on uniquely what they are Mm -hmm. finding. Mm. increasingly interesting and worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. I love the coaching that you give to people. And again, people who look very distractible aren't anymore once they lock onto that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming to grips with this starts by us being truly alone with ourselves. Right. Okay. And a lot of people hate that. They hate being alone with themselves. But the more that that can become a positive thing, I think the more you'll give your attention to the right things that are beneficial for you and very useful for other people for your whole life. Dan, it strikes me again, you spent a lot of time alone as a kid and then you intentionally think about your own thinking, in particular using our tools. So Impact Filters One. And by the way, if anyone wants to jump in and grab that tool for themselves and be like Dan, go to freetoolkit.coach. And that's where the impact filter is, some of our other great thinking tools. But you're alone and you think about your own thoughts and put it into our amazing thinking processes, which you've created. Mm-hmm. And that really helps you get super clear, intentional on what is worth your attention. Mm-hmm. So that is, to my mind, a way where you can make your attention your property. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, it's a never-ending process. It's not like you're going to get a deed. It's just I can see that it's a huge issue now that the entire planet is potentially interconnected technologically mm-hmm. that this issue of you know who owns your attention i think is just a fundamental issue going forward yes pay attention and be conscious and don't give it away unintentionally appreciate that dan thank you thank you thank you